Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. My name is Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. And thank you for walking with us this way in spiritual friendship and learning all about relationship as it uh, it goes with uh, marriage today is our topic. We're going to be talking about obedience and discernment and authority, all these tough topics. I was telling Megan, I've not yet been able to find someone to come on my Roundup show to talk about the virtue of obedience. So I'm glad we're going to scratch the surface today. Yeah, and we're not we're not going to be able to exhaust this topic. We're just going to be right up front with that um, in this podcast. But we, we just want to start the conversation going. It is a touchy subject. I know that I think anytime this topic comes up in where um, the passage from Ephesians is read in mass, like there's sort of this weird shifting in the seat, uncomfortableness. And and actually there's a number of times when this passage comes up where, you know how sometimes there's choices in the mass readings where you can like cut out parts mm-hmm. and it will like cut out the obedience part or the submission part. Um, and which I think is really a problem. Like it makes us uncomfortable probably because we need to face it. We need to really just, let God come into that and and help us to deal with the discomforts that we have. So the way I want to start um, this conversation, Pam, about um, obedience and, and marriage is to read the passage. That passage that, you know, people always seem to Squirm be kind of uncomfortable with. So here it is. I'm guilty in the beginning. Yeah. I'm guilty of that. <laughs> so here it is um, from Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 21. Be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives should be subordinate, also sometimes translated submission, should submit to their husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of his wife, just as Christ is head of the church. He himself, the savior of the body. As the church is subordinate to Christ, so wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the bath of water with the word that he might present himself, present to himself the church in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So also husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hates his own flesh, but rather nourishes and cherishes it, even as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Beautiful. It is it is a tough one, um, but I think that's because we have a, a sense of that self-pride, you know, that the egoism that we all have, or we don't want to be told what to do. But I think also it, it warrants saying um, what the actual definition of obedience is, is compliance with an order or a request, or a law, or submission to another's authority. Well, folks, the, the other's authority that we're really talking about is God's authority. Just as Megan had said, you know, you will obey my commands if you love me, the Lord says to us. And this is part of that. Mm-hmm. It is from a place of love. I mean, I always liked going back to the Ten Commandments where um, to look at them in a proper order, God didn't give us those commands as, you know, fire and brimstone kind of thing, and you'll go to hell for all this, which you could. But the, the mm-hmm. main point really was, look, I want the best for the human person. And if you stay within these borders, right, mm-hmm. then you will be healthy 
and holy, and you'll have true freedom when you stay within the law. Right. And the reality is this. I mean, I think we understand this in just general human experience and and when we think about government or anything like that. Um, You know, there needs to be an ultimate decision maker, right? Like you can't, when it comes to life, you can't end in a tie. Like a decision has to be made. And when you have, a, you know, any body of people, like ultimately there needs to be either you're going to go with majority rules or you're going to have, um, you know, somebody that decides because they're the tiebreaker, shall we say, right? Well, when you're in a couple, there's two people. There's going to be tie. There's going to be differences of opinion all the time. All the time, where you don't necessarily see things the same way. And if there's not somebody that's given the ultimate say, you'll never resolve anything, right? And when I was thinking about this topic, I was also thinking about the way the church hierarchy is set up, and I was thinking about the Pope as the father of the church, right? In the end, we've got laity, we've got priests, we've got then the bishops, which are the teaching magisterial authority of the church. But then ultimately, we've got a pope because guess what? The bishops aren't going to always agree. And how much are we seeing that like in this day and age, right? They're not going to always agree. So ultimately, someone has to say, this is the way it's going to have to be because there needs to be a final authority figure. And that's just the same as in marriage. But this is the point that I also want to make as I'm using this analogy of the Pope. When the Pope is acting out of his authority as Pope, when he's speaking ex cathedra, right, from the seat, where he has given that um, charism of infallibility in that particular office, speaking in that particular way, he, he demands our obedience because of he, as the vicar of Christ, speaking as Peter to the church, he has that authority. But when he, you know, gives an, <laughs> let's just use our own Pope, for example, when he gives an interview on a plane and says something that, you know, maybe doesn't seem quite in line with what you're thinking, you're not bound to obedience by that because he's not speaking out of his authority as the Pope, ex cathedra, you must believe this is infallible. So when we're discussing this topic of obedience in marriage, God has designed marriage and the family with a hierarchy, just as he has designed the church with a hierarchy, Mm -hmm. just as there is a hierarchy in the universe because God is God and above all. There's no surprise that he's going to design family to reflect the divine truth, right? So there, yes, there's going to be a head and that head is, the husband. But that doesn't mean that everything the husband says or thinks is within his authority as head of the spiritual household. Right. And speaking of husbands, who we have joining us to to weigh in on that aspect of it is Thaddeus Romanski. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, Thaddeus. We're really thankful that you could be here and, and participate and give us a, a dude's perspective. Thanks, Pam. Thanks, <laughs> Megan. Do, do now you, it's do, shoulder to shoulder to shoulder, right? There you go. Do you proudly take on the mantle of dude? You know, I don't. I don't think I've ever really been able to fill out that uh, that term, that slang term, dude. I don't. I don't think that I'm 
I'm really a dude. Maybe I'm a guy. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll accept guy. Guy's perspective. A so, fellow. I think I'm a fellow. All right. Definitely. Fella. Maybe a feller. A feller. A feller. Maybe. <laughs> now we're glad you could join us. I'm Absolutely. Looking forward to hearing what you have to, have to say on this matter too. Good perspective, I'm sure. So when you hear this passage from um, Ephesians and it, and it talks about um, wives being subordinate to their spouse, to their husband, but then goes on to say, and why, and husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church and laid down his life for her. How does that resonate in the heart of a man? Because I know it's often, you know, a woman has to, we listen to that and we say, okay, wow, okay, I'm being asked to be willing to submit to my spouse and, and his leadership in our home. That's kind of the thing that we focus on. Um, and we tend not to get past that part, <laughs> but there's a whole big call for men that's past those words. And, and so in the heart of a man, how does it get received? Well, I think what I've uh, heard, you know, over the years and resonates with me more strongly now that I, I am married and that I am a father as well, are those those words of St. Paul that basically saying that the man is supposed to take on the role of Christ and Christ's greatest act of love and and kingship was being crucified was dying on the cross giving his whole life um from that from that throne if you will um uh, of of punishment and and death and sacrifice for for our sins for the forgiveness of our sins. So I, I think that the man is, is supposed to lead through dying to self. And that is going to look differently for different marriages, different families, different situations and times, even in the same, even in, in, in a particular family. But I think, I think that's what has to be, um, that's the sort of, challenging part of that that passage and then the the more well-known part of it or the more quote-unquote controversial part uh, for for some is uh is supposed to be the the, kind of the call to arms for the man or the or the the job description laying out the maybe the the duties and i think it's important to correct me if i'm wrong but the actual text doesn't it say is this is the spiritual headship the spiritual leader it says for husband is head of his wife head just as Christ is head of the church he himself the savior of the body okay okay and and i think the the one of the really important things to point out is is as you're saying this is being established as the as the spouse that as the husband is acting in the mind and heart of Christ, ordered towards God's will. So this idea that I think sometimes people can take this thing way too far, and you know, even women who, like, they're trying to be um, very obedient, um, sort of submissive wives, think that they have to submit in everything. But the reality is, is that we should never submit to sin, right? We, 
we should never say just because you're my spouse that I'm going to follow you into a sinful act. So if the husband is, is leading in a direction that you feel convicted is not holy, is uncharitable or destructive or um, kind of coming out of a place of sinfulness, not only are you not called to submit to that as a wife, but as his helpmate and the primary person who is ordered towards his salvation in this world, you are called to be one who admonishes. And I think it's important to remember that the first verse says, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so this right. idea that we're called to, you know, subordinate our, our wills primarily to the will of God. Right. And so sometimes you get a situation where in discernment, I think a lot of times the, the struggles come when you're discerning what to do about something or where, you know, you can have a discernment that's a, a decision between two goods, right? Mm -hmm. Two objective moral goods. And so you just have a difference of opinion of what's the most good or the best choice, right? That's a different scenario when you than when you have a decision between one objective moral good and one that's objectively morally evil. Those are not the same situation. So if you have a situation where it's a disagreement there's two, between two goods, the husband acting out of his authority, God-given authority of discernment for the family gets the final say in what moral good we will pursue based on discernment together, right? As a couple, you discern together, but if you can't come to the place of we agree, ultimately you go with the husband. But if the husband wants to go in a direction that's a moral evil and the, and the wife wants to go in a moral good, that's not a place of submission. That's a place of um, where you then have to stand up. And that itself is a, a bit of suffering, right? I think it's easy for the women to just think that men want to lord it over their wives and make all the decisions. But would you agree, Thaddeus, that sometimes having to say to your wife, no, we've got to go this way as, and you feel convicted as a spiritual leader of your home is actually part of dying to yourself because you don't want to say that to your wife. You don't want to force her to do something she doesn't want to do. Oh, absolutely. There's no fun in having to, to get crosswise with your, with your spouse. Um, but sometimes it's necessary to serve the, serve the common good of the, of the family. And I, I think that for me as a husband and a, and a father, um, I think that, I think that my marriage relationship is very much about partnership and we're going to, we're going to try to work together on things as, as much as possible and, and be a, being a united front is, is very, very important and really living out the one, our one flesh union and everything. But I think, I think as a father, maybe the spiritual leadership or the leadership dimension comes out a little bit more in terms of, you know, I think, I think I have to take the, the, the role of kind of shaping the, the moral climate of the, of the household and of the children. And I have to be willing to take the time to correct something about my child or give them some input or direction about 
what they're doing or how they're saying something or I have to take the time to listen to them when they want to to show me something that I maybe don't want to take the time for. Um, and I have to be the one who, I have to be consciously active in being a witness to my to my Catholic faith and the in the and speaking from the heart and speaking from the mind and then also demonstrating it in how I I live and I I don't do that perfectly um, but I think that's that's kind of the practical um, manifestation of it in in my little family what it looks like. Yeah, and I if think that makes any sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And one of the things I'm hearing is is a, a real thoughtfulness about you know why you're making the decisions that you're making. And I think one of the things we often fall short on is communicating the thoughtfulness that goes behind these things. You you, you know you, well I've you know I've prayed about it, I've discerned it, I've whatever, and kind of like bring the other person in to that process. Another thing that really was coming to mind as I was listening to you speak about, you know, being in a place um, as a spouse to really trust the the discernment process that your spouse may have undergone in order to come to a decision so that you can maybe approach it with a, a more open heart and a more respectful heart is if you see your spouse um, not only, you know, going to mass and everything and maybe praying a rosary with the family, but if you see your spouse regularly going to confession, right? Seeking out a spiritual director. Like if, if I see my husband doing that, when it comes time to a a decision-making process, I'm going to have like so much more confidence and faith that he has truly like done the spiritual work and is receiving that grace of the Holy spirit of discernment as the spiritual head of the home. So I don't think we can um, minimize that, the practice of our faith and the no, the fact that we know that our spouse is really truly doing the work to seek God's will can help in this process of being willing to submit, knowing that that um, work has been done. Because ideally what the idea is when you ha- come to that place of decision where this, the husband has to you know exert his, his, his authority that really God has given him, the ideal situation is that the wife actually of her own free choice, not because she feels forced, but of her own free choice decides to submit to his authority. That's the ideal, right? Now the ideal ideal is you just come to the same discernment and you don't have a problem, <laughs> but, sure, sure, but you know, sure. that, that, you know, that's not always going to happen. But if you get to that beautiful place where you see your spouse has truly like ordered his life towards seeking God and his will and you trust that, that place of, I okay, if that's what, if that is where God is leading you, then I trust you. Right. I, I'd love to just give a, a personal anecdote too, where um, we disagreed on something in particular. It was like me going back to work years ago. Um, and I, I said, you know, I don't think that's a really good idea. There's a lot that still needs to be done. The kids are really small. But no, 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 I think you need to go back to work, right? So I agreed, even though I didn't think it was ordered toward the really good of our family, but I was going to trust his judgment. So in the end, a couple of years later, like two years later, he's like, wow, there's still a lot to do at home. So I think you need to come on home again. I'm like, okay. So the only reason I'm saying that is sometimes 
we go ahead and obey that and so submit to that authority, not just because um, we think it's right, and sometimes we want him to know how we trust him, even if it doesn't always work out the way we think it will. Does that make sense that, you know, even Mm -hmm. though you're not on the same page, you do it anyway, and a good can come of that, which most likely it will. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree completely. So that's sometimes it is challenging and difficult, but we always are called to 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 speak up about it, tell them our opinion, and um, then let them act. Um, I also think that part of that, I think part of that leadership role as the husband is also knowing your limitations and understanding the talents that your wife brings to the equation. You know, like my wife is very good about logistics, calendar, scheduling, knowing where everyone's supposed to be. Um, there's no reason for me to, to step in there and say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to handle that because that's part of my leadership role. Mm-hmm. No, the, part of leadership is delegation. Absolutely. Part of leadership is recognized is empowering your, you know, in a company, in, in the military, in, on a coaching staff is empowering your subordinates to handle this role and say, you take care of this. And then that's going to free me to do certain other things or to use the talents that I have in the areas that are, that they are properly, um, you know, best suited for. So I think, I think there's a lot of that that goes along in a, in a marriage as well. You know, one of the things that comes up to, to mind in the same kind of topic is in the, in the raising of children. Okay. So um, it really helped me to understand that kind of order, the way it was ordered towards with the husband and the wife, the day-to-day activities the mom is generally in charge of in the home, the day-to-day discipline, what's going on. But yet there's going to come those times where you need to bring dad in. You know, typically he's outside the home and she's in the home. Um, but there's that still that authority. It's like on the bigger issues, we're going to draw dad into that if he needs to be. So there's always an order to things. Mm-hmm. And I do think um, this idea of respect, I think you were getting at it, Thaddeus, that the respect of the individual that you're married to, acknowledging their gifts supporting them in their development as the person that God calls them to be, truly desiring them to be fully who God calls them to be. Um, it helps in this because you're, you know, you can, sometimes you don't have to agree. Sometimes you can actually go two separate ways in some things. Like, you know, maybe your wife is interested in pursuing some book study and she wanted you to do it with you, with her, but you don't want to, or for whatever your reason, but, but you say, you know what? you feel called to that, that's meaningful to you, go and do it. And I'll support you in that. And this idea that we always have to be completely like totally intertwined in each other's pockets. I think that's part of the problem too, that we can support each other in our walk together as we're in the things that we need to really be in lockstep, but then also be enriched by the way that we're different and that we can go in different places and, and down different paths. And then when we come back, where the whole marriage in the family is um, elevated because of the ways that we've decided, well, we're going to go a little bit on our separate ways on these things, but because we respect and love each other, we can be okay with that. But uh, I think in the end, um, maybe just to wrap it up is to say, 
Yes, there is a hierarchy that exists that's God ordained within marriage and we should respect it. Right. But it is all ordered towards when we are living out our vocation in marriage, properly ordered towards the will of God and towards seeking the good and the true and the beautiful. And we are called to support each other in walking that path and to admonish each other when we're not on that path. And so yes, always ask ourselves um, when we're struggling with the idea of um, who's in charge here or who should, who should rule the day. Look first at yourself and your own, um, where are your motivations? Are you being motivated through whole from by holiness or selfishness? And before you even look at, and to decide about what the motivation of the other is. Right. And as we started out to these, this order being well lived is about personal freedom. It's interior freedom that we have when we live within these rules of the world that God Absolutely. has given us. Yeah. Cause, cause when we have this hierarchy that's well established and accepted and lived out in a way um, that's holy, it will be more free. So we hope you'll uh, join us next time for our last of the four episodes on uh, marriage. And uh, until then, God bless. 